What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. I'm your host, Gavin J. Gallagher, and on this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously, both in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset and behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. Welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode. And this week I am up at the crack of dawn to record this. Life has gotten very, very busy in the last while. And it's currently 5.09 in the morning. And and this is the morning that this episode is going to go live. But um, we just roll with the punches, as they say. One of the things, I have a guest today, but before I speak about the guest, I want to first set the context because what's got me so busy is the current state of the market. We are kind of at what Jones Lang LaSalle are referring to as a new market cycle. And what that usually means is that you're at the lowest point in the new market cycle and that it's going to start to rise from here. And uh, I went to a conference that Jones Lang LaSalle held this past week. The conference was called Envision the View. And it was all about just their view of where the market is. And their Irish MD, John Moran, got up and spoke about it being a critical year. But he gave some context to the, the, the current state of the market. He said that the investment this year, this past year, 2023, is down 70% on the previous year. So that just gives you some idea of the the fall off in demand for investments. And this is all driven by interest rates and the uncertainty around interest rates. Now, he said that the decline in values was 15% across the year, across their entire kind of portfolio of different assets, asset classes and stuff. But he noted that office is down 20% on the year. And what he said as well was that the vacancy rate for offices is currently 14.9, which is the highest since 2013. And the the reason I'm mentioning all this is because I'm bringing a guest on shortly, and he is Anthony Slumbers. Now, Anthony and I had a conversation about three years ago when this podcast was very new. And a lot of the things that Anthony Uh, predicted have come to pass. So Anthony was spot on. And what I wanted to do was bring back Anthony and have a a conversation about uh, what's happening next. You know, where are we going with this current office market? What do people need to watch? And what are the opportunities ahead? Now, this Anthony is very much now focused on artificial intelligence and how to use it in the real estate world and so this is going to be an interesting conversation along those lines and so um, if you want to look at the if you want to listen to our earliest conversation i think it goes back to you know uh, episode 16 or 17 or something like that what i'll do is i'll put a link in the show notes so you can find it easily but uh, without further ado my conversation with return guest anthony slumbers anthony slumbers welcome back to the podcast Oh, it's an absolute, absolute pleasure. I believe it's been three and a half years, and last time we were, we were in the midst, midst of COVID. So uh, it's, it's hard. Long time, believe. a long time ago. But uh, 
It is indeed. And it was actually, it was actually episode 18. And now we're at, you know, we're up in the episode 180 something. Oh, and wow. so, uh, 100 and, 170 odd weeks ago since uh, we last spoke. Oh, I haven't man. missed a week since. So I hope I, ho- I hope I didn't talk absolute BS because you put, <laughs> no, it, you, you, no, you put it on tape, as it were. <laughs> it's all there. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes for anyone who wants to listen to our first conversation. And I would actually recommend it to our listeners if they want to get a little bit of your backstory and things like that. But what's really interesting is, you know, we had our conversation it was literally a day or two after the birth of my son, Dominic, and he's now three and a half. And so quite a lot has changed in those three years. And certainly the commercial office sector has changed a lot because I'm I'm in the middle, like it's literally pitched battles on the streets now uh, to try to kind of get tenants and to try to get your bank funding over the line and things like that. It's really that the, the climate has changed so much in those three years, it's quite remarkable. And a lot of the predictions that you made that we talked about in the last episode have actually come come to pass. And so you're, it was very prescient, your, your views of the way the, the market is going to go. And so I'd love to get into a lot of that today. And um, what, like one of the first things I'm gonna suggest though, is for those of like, we have a very international audience now with people all over the world. And so what I'm gonna suggest is for those who, who haven't heard of Anthony Slumbers, who is he and what does he do? Okay, well, the, the, um, the, the too long, too long did, not, did not read is that uh, I've been around for an awful long time. I actually started the first commercial real estate website in the UK in 1995, which is <laughs> before a lot of prop tech people were even even born. Um, but there's actually something quite quite interesting about uh, about that. This is the most exciting time actually since then. But anyway, so that was the birth birth of the birth of the World Wide Web. Um, in a nutshell, I essentially ran a web agency for about ten years or so. Um, we used to do websites for uh, agents, pretty well always commercial agents. I've never done anything in in Resi. It's it's always been commercial. So we were a web agency for a long time. And then I got involved into developing software. And for the following 10 years or so, I developed a lot of property management software, uh, in particular, productivity software with with research um research websites and and that sort of thing but the but the main thing the main thing i i did was a joint venture with british land who then were the largest real estate company in the in the uk and i developed all these property management software tools with them and they went into all their buildings and whatever so in a in a, in a nutshell i spent about 10 10 years coding myself and then another 5 years or so um Oversee, overseeing people and then eventually I sort of had enough of that and I'd started to write a lot more and then I started to speak a lot more and so really for the last since about 2018 I probably spent about a third of my time doing advisory work with various established companies and and startups a third of it um a third of it uh speaking and a third third of it um doing other other things and and of course I'm, I almost forgot what I what I did actually the the other third is I, I spent a lot of time running online courses so all the way during COVID we draw with a friend of mine draw Polek who's based in New York we ran the future proof real estate real estate um course 
And then subsequently on my own, I've done the course on space as a service, which is sort of the thing I'm I'm known for. If you go to my blog on antislumbers.com, back to 2013, I've been going on, on about all this stuff. And I'm currently running a course on generative AI for real estate people. Which is and something that's, uh, we'll definitely that's get into today. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that, that covers quite a lot of ground there, Anthony, and I hope we have uh, time to go through all of that. Um, the, the the first thing that I think we should start with, given where we left off in the previous conversation, is the last time we spoke, it was the end of August 2020, and we were three, maybe we were four months into a global lockdown over the COVID pandemic. And as I mentioned, like a lot of those predictions that we talked about came to pass, and you you predicted a huge fall in demand for offices and you you predicted that there'd be kind of a, a bifurcation of the market into two types of real estate that would commercial real estate would be split into the cheap and then the really high end that has all of the bells and whistles and the experience and it would be kind of almost like a hotel where you'd have the uh there would be people that would be there you know working in real estate companies would have hospitality backgrounds and things like that so and we are starting to see that. And, and like most of my time at the moment is spent putting together events and communities and things like that for our business park, because every we're trying to drive people back to the office and they're, they don't want to go in and spend time in a car driving uh, into sort of clock in and clock out. They want some sort of experience when they get there. They want to have like a, something beyond just an office location to visit. And so very prescient. And I thought what what would be a good you know initial discussion for us would be like in your view like what are the biggest lessons and takeaways now that we can look back on COVID and you know as it you know as it's impacted on the on the on the commercial market has been you know, what would you say are the biggest sort of lessons and takeaways from COVID? I, I always I always think there's a there's a couple of things that we've all learned and we cannot unlearn. <laughs> and the first of those is that, funnily enough, we don't actually need to be in the office and to enable our com- our companies to function. Um, the reason I was so strong on this becoming a big thing is because, frankly, I'd run work like that for for twenty twenty odd years, even when I when I was had run my software companies. You know, after I got past sort of run coding all the stuff myself, all my coders were in India. So I was used to working like that. And, you know, there was plenty of technology. And it was pretty clear that once people were forced to do something, all of a sudden they, you know, they were forced to buy some decent broadband, buy buy a decent laptop, get on with it. And and you sort of knew, well, yes, that's going to, that's mostly going to work. You know, there's always the caveat, it doesn't work for everyone and it doesn't work for everything, but, but mostly. So we mostly learned that we can function without an office if we like. And of course, the other thing we've, we've learned, which is a, a follow-on from that, is that we don't have to commute five days a week. Um, and and that that's absolutely the, the, the biggest function of all, that we've got to, we've got to a point where we realize, well, we can do this or we can can do that. What what's the sensible thing to do? Um, and then we're we're starting to compartmentalize things in the stuff I'm, I can do at do at home, the stuff I can do near home, the stuff I can do only in the office, 
Um, and there's stuff I might want to do in the in in some third third place. And we're all sort of triangulating what what work what works for us. Um I remember, and, and it's just in the in the last episode, you you actually you used the term home hub and Rome uh, for this example. Oh, I've forgotten that one. That's a, that was well, that's a goodie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's a goodie. Yeah, hub, hub home and 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 that's that's exactly what what's happened, hasn't it? But the th- the thing I the thing I am actually happy about is that I have always always argued not against the office but against bad offices. And I am very, very pro good offices operated in really good ways. And that is absolutely coming, coming out in the wash. You look at well, which offices are are doing are doing well. And they're pretty much, you know, the good sustainable offices that of are, are have a form factor that suits modern way of working, are run properly and are and are flexible and look after people's health and well-being, blah, 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 and they are busy. And likewise, the flex, the flex offices, the good flex offices in London, you know, they're 80, 80%, 80% full. And so it it's just absolutely coming true that people will go to places that enable them to do certain things that they need to do in those particular places. And a great deal of that is, is going to be about um, being, meeting people. You know, there's all this, all this sort of, you know, well, we're social animals, therefore we need to go to the office. Yes, but no one's five days a week, 10 hours a day says sociable. But when we want to be sociable, we want to go, we want to go somewhere nice. So I I see all of this as, you know, clearly it's a really bad market at the the moment. But I'm pretty certain that you can see who's going to, who's going to come out, come out the other end. And then when it comes out the other end, there's going to be a lot of a lot of offices that are going to generate more income than they've ever generated before. Because this thing about less but better, I don't need 20,000 square feet, I need 7,000 square feet, but it's going to be really good. And if that cost me what would have cost me 15,000 square feet, fine, I'll pay more, I'll pay more for it. And and that and that's that's going to be going to be the game. Um, the only thing I think, to be honest, that I actually got wrong was I always said the bottom end's going to be fine. And I'm less sure about that now because yeah. the bottom end, of course, is actually what competes with home. And seeing as home, you know, if you look at all the Leesman data, home for a large percentage of people is better than better than the office, let alone the 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 cheap the cheap stuff. But it also where where I think all of this is all of this is really really interesting though, is then we still have a need and a desire to go to cool, cool places, nice places, in, interesting places. So the at a sort of geo level, the, the you can see the cities that are likely to do well are, are going to be those cities which are nice places to be. You know, it's yeah. nice to be in the centre of Dublin. It's nice to be in the centre of London. It's great, great to be in Manhattan. Might not look look at it. You know, you look at the micro thing at the moment; doesn't look too good. But but ultimately, people are going to want to go where the where the really really best best places are, um, which is going to leave definitely this big gap between you know good good and not so good and what are we going to do with it you know probably the most interesting thing for real estate people if they were coming into the industry now 
would be thinking, what are we going to do with all this obsolete space? And what are we going to be doing with it over the next 10, 15 years? That's the that's the think, super, yeah. super interesting area. I think a lot of uh, uh, the, the obvious answer um, is is residential and that a lot of these office buildings, the only thing is, is there's so many complicating issues with it now because we've certainly, we, we've got office buildings that have become vacant and we're scratching our head, you know, do we make the investment in improving uh, an office in a, in a market where it's it's not very popular and you might be putting bad money after good? And the next then would be, okay, do we convert to residential? But if you want to convert to residential, the floor plates and everything like that don't necessarily yeah. work. And then the other thing is, which if you if the floor plates don't work, then the next question is, do you demolish the building? And of course, if you if you propose to do that, then the environmentalist kind of get involved and say, hold on a sec, the embodied carbon is, you know, you, you have to have a very good reason to be demolishing that building. And so it's it's become quite a complicated sort of uh, equation to figure out. And we're, we're, we are genuinely kind of scratching our heads with a couple of uh, issues like this. And we're kind of, it's, it's really difficult. And the residential is the obvious thing, but the fact that the building doesn't necessarily suit it is the problem. But, but residential doesn't. What, what, what's the stat they reckon between 20, 25 percent of office buildings are actually convertible into into resi? I mean, yeah. we've probably got a smaller problem over here than the Americans have got because their buildings are so huge and so deep. So unless you can unless you can yeah. push a great big hole down the middle, which no one can afford to do, um, you you you've got a you've got a problem. So it's. It's very interesting to watch the 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 retail sector as well, you know, because we're going through we're we're basically doing being hit with the same stick they hit retail 10, 15, 15 yeah. years ago. When I'm I mean, it's interesting where 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 I live. I I live 30 miles outside of London, um, in a place called Guildford. And Guildford's got one of the best high streets in in the um in the country. But the high street is completely transforming now. It's lots of the clothes shops have gone. It's full of coffee shops. It's full of basically food and beverage, hospitality. They're going to put in a big new hotel in there. They're going to build a lot more res residential. So they're going to become, someone said to me the other, I was in an event and someone said, it's not the CBD anymore. It's now the Central Social District. And I love that, the Central yeah. Social District. Why are you going to town? Because I'm going into the Central so Social District. So there's clearly... There's clearly real complications short term, but I think me medium and long term we're going to end up with a much more interesting built built world. You know, I, I mean, I hate to say it because you know I'm <laughs> you know I'm not um I'm not sitting on lo lo loads of assets going up and down like a yo-yo. So it's I know I appreciate it's very easy for me to uh, to opine on these things, but there will come a point in a lot of in a lot of places where prices really do dip and then the whole thing whole thing will start will start again and a great rebirth and a, a whole a whole new load of ideas will will come out the other end um but what i would what i would say again why why this is such an interesting period to be in the industry um is that the uh, the everything that worked really the last 20 years probably doesn't work now 
And you can't just take a cookie cutter and go, oh, well, there we go. Boom. There's an office building. There's another one. There's another one. You now need to be creative and innovative yeah. and you need and you need vision. All of which is a, is a real pain in the backside, but it does mean the market is is going to become full of, frankly, a lot more interesting people and a lot more people who are cre- are creative and can think a bit differently and pay a lot more attention to their to yes. their customer. You know, you th- you look back on the commercial side for the last 20, 30 years, and the customer was was the investor. No one really cared at all about who was in the building. Yeah. The thing was, can I produce this income, this, this yield for that institution? And you still need to do that. But if you pay attention to them first, they're going to lose out as well. You have to now pay attention to who's yeah. going to use yeah, the building. Yeah. The and then they get their return because the building, the building is so is so so attractive. So it it is a it is a difficult one because I do I I do appreciate there's a lot of there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of pain pain out there. Um but real estate is a it's a it's a cycle game. And, and it's a long game and, you know, it still comes fundamentally down. Do, do you own decent assets? Yeah, in a good location. In decent locations. Sooner or later, you'll be able to reconfigure them. And, a, you know, a good, I mean, some good locations become bad locations, but not that many. You know, most, no, no, most no, no. good no. locations remain as good. Remain, good, yeah. Good locations. Um so yeah, I just said you know, it's an inter- interesting market, that's for sure. For sure, and it's it's also what's interesting is how it's being driven by the uh, well, well, the banking side. There's very much this push towards ESG and sustainability, and the banks. It's it's funny when we anything that we're getting refinanced, there's there's a big focus on the not not so much today, but some sort of a pathway to a highly sustainable portfolio at the end when it comes to refinancing uh, with the risk being that if you're not in that place, you won't refinance, uh, you won't be capable of refinancing. And so there's a big push towards that that I'm seeing at the moment. Uh, are you, exper- I mean, you actually, in our last episode, we we talked about sustainability and all that. Um, what are you seeing in, in, in terms of the focus um, with real estate? I, I, We're seeing- I, 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 I find it a strange, a strange market at the moment because there's a lot of talk about um, ESG, green mail, and who cares anymore? You know, down with ESG and all that, and you know, we're not bothered. And you know, I've sat, sat in conversations with people going, "Oh, you know, it's all got all overhyped, and we don't need to pay too much attention." I'm just thinking, you, this, you can talk all you like. But this is utterly delusional. Even today, the best the best occupiers want sustainable buildings. The regulators still want sustainable buildings. And the institutions, whatever they may say about, you know, don't go on about ESG all the time, they only want a sustainable building. So, and we are, what, 20, coming up to 2024, 2030, six years away. I spent most of this year giving a talk all around the world talking about the brick wall that is 2030. Yeah. And if you look at the regulations all around the world of 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 um, what's coming into play in just now six years' time, it it's a brick wall. 
And if you can hit it, it's really going to hurt. But I don't, under, I don't understand all this talk now going on about, oh, well, maybe ESG is not so important because it fundamentally is. So just forget that. It's, it's like all the talk of something that's driven me mad probably from the moment after our, our conversation three years ago. People going on and on about, you know, hybrid work and should we go in the office and not in the office model. The, the situation was set three years ago. We knew where we knew where we were going and we were going to where we are now. You know, game over. Stop pretending it's 2019 or it's coming back. You know, just forget it. Lean into lean into lean, lean into the future, lean into sustainability, lean into productivity, lean into health and well-being, and above all else, lean into flexibility. Because you know what it's like. I you follow a lot of the tech, I follow a lot of the tech. Just look at the last year. It's gone absolutely bonkers and this is why i say it's the most exciting year i've known since 95 95 96 um something new was coming out coming out every week there were new new things every week and it was like wow can't believe that can't believe that can't believe that and that went on for quite a long time and then there was a crash and then basically since 2001 to a couple of years ago it's basically been pretty boring corporate not that much exciting. I mean, people wasted two years prattling on about crypto and wasting all that time for a couple of years. But now you've suddenly got something, bang. Uh, you know, That's and AI people talk about GPT. Well, GPT is general purpose technology. This is like this is like inventing the light bulb. It's like inventing electricity. The world is, is completely changing. So I have a pretty good idea where things will be in a year's time not bad in two as soon as you start getting to five let alone ten i have no idea yeah Who knows? in 10 years time we're going to have a hundred times as much computing power as we have today and today feels crazy <laughs> so it's you know flex flexibility is is going to become a a super skill you know not just not just in our buildings you know the buildings themselves need to be flexible floor plates need to be flexible but then fit out you know this all this all goes back to the um frank duffy thing from years and years ago you know stage and and then shell and where he, where he talked about a building in shearing layers some some lasts a long time and other needs to be changed all the time all our certainly in commercial all our assets are like stage sets at the moment yeah and make them as flexible as that you know, it's going to be Oscar Wilde today, and then it's going, to, you know, Cinderella the next day. Who who knows? And but these are new, these are new skills, and there's still the there's still this fundamental thing going on that for, first we spend ninety percent of our time inside real estate, and that's not going to change. So it's not like the demand for real estate has gone; it's the demand for certain form factors. But it's still, it, it's still that. And then you look at the whole sustainability side and either either it's just going to go arse over and, you know, we're not going to get anywhere. Or this is the most monster, monster market one can poss possibly imagine. You know, and new materials. One of the interesting things that popped up la last week, Deep DeepMind, uh, Google's uh, AI lab, yeah. Uh, released released something la last week where they've come up with oh god i can't remember the number but an insane number of new materials 
materials that did not did not exist. You know, like graphene. Yes, uh, yeah, is a graphene. Yeah, graphene is a new material. They came up with some system, and it's come up with, I believe, tens of thousands of potential new new materials. So there's so much incredibly interesting stuff in terms of the physical world, um, and then you've got the whole thing of you got you know you've got to understand the physical world, and you've got to understand people. And and I and I like and I like that. And you know, person personally for me, the whole prop tech world for a long time spent so much time just basically doing fintech. You know, just yeah. you know, and all the prop tech stuff, and you, know, you get your mortgage here or get your insurance. And it's just fintech. There's not that much about real estate. Yeah. And I happen to love real estate. I love a great building. And I love people who build great buildings. So this is this is a time for you've got to you've got to build great buildings. <laughs> it's true, and I, I, if you think about the, the the investment at the moment, everything is going into AI. I mean, the the, the level of investment from Google, from Microsoft, OpenAI, all of these guys, and you you see that, and you realize the size. Like whilst other, like you know, the social media companies might have laid off tens of thousands of people, I think most of them will be you know, getting hired. Well, obviously they need to have the right skill sets, but I'm sure that the the AI side of the businesses are hiring just as many people as has been let go by the social media companies. I mean, yeah. you know, the, the 10,000 that were laid, laid off from Facebook or whatever, that, you know, in the last two or three years, I'm sure there's 50,000 people have been hired by Microsoft, Google, uh, all of this kind of stuff. And it is interesting when you think about that, like, you know, can you position yourself? The thing is, is, they're growing so fast that, like you say, flexibility is the thing that they're going to need because signing a 10 or 15 year lease, even like even that sounds short, uh, you know, to the old folks that, uh, that yeah. got into real estate back when 25 and 35 year leases were the norm uh, for 10 years. Are you crazy? I mean, why would we sign it uh, something as long as that? And, and so we're all having to kind of re-educate ourselves as to what is a long term lease nowadays. But it, but it, but it's also where it what actually constitutes value as well. So, you know, you think Facebook signed a twenty year lease with British Land on a big building in the centre of London. They and spent they two and a half years fitting it out and redoing it, and then they never moved in. And then they paid how many years upfront to get out? One hundred and sixty million pounds to get out. They paid twelve years. And they, and they and they and they never went there. And so, is a is a single building with one tenant better than a single building with ten tenants? I think I I I I think things are good. Buildings are going to attract good companies, yeah. and there's such a synergy between the types of companies that are, for instance, leaning in, who already were leaning into technology and are now leaning into. AI and stuff, they're becoming stronger and stronger users of the same sort of spaces that are leaning into the future as well. They're, so that type of company needs that type of space, and that's what they're going to attract. So again, the market becomes very, very bifurcated, but you really, you really need to target, you need to target the companies of the companies of the future. Because yeah. they 
They are definitely going to take a lot less space than before. They, they are definitely going to operate in flexible, in flexible ways, but they are also definitely going to need spaces. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that you can do in a building that's nicely. I mean, even, even me here, I'm very, very lucky. I've got a big office at the end of my garden. So I've got everything, everything I, I want here. It's all nicely set up, big telly. I've got a shower, I've got a cooker, I've got sofas, I've got everything. So all my stuff is set up here. If I had a, if I didn't have this and I had an office where I could set nothing up, I'd need it. Yeah, I'd yeah. need it somewhere. I'd need somewhere. I don't need a lot. I don't create much paper at the moment. But I want to. I want to know. I want. I want my desk. I want my big. My big monitor. I want my lights and and that sort of stuff. It's going to have to happen. Have to happen some somewhere. And you still. And you still need the need to meet people. In fact, you need to meet people more now. You know, one of the things I, I said years ago, and I think it's really becoming true now. One the the biggest surprise of generative AI over the last year has been that if you like. Us knowledge workers, we thought we were safe. We yeah. thought, oh, we're 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 designers, we're creative. We, you know, they they can't do that. You know, factory workers moving to India, oh well, oh you know, capitalism, capitalism. But they're coming for us now. Yeah, they're, yeah. They can, it turns out that these machines can be can be creative and they can be innovate innovative. So it's becoming clearer and clearer that the skills of a human. And the skills of machines are coming closer together, but there is still fundamentally they think differently, and so human plus machine is is by and large going going to win. There was a really interesting study done by um, Harvard, MIT, Wharton, and the Boston Consulting Group, and it's probably the biggest the biggest. Um, the biggest exercise in in trialing the effectiveness of Gen AI amongst knowledge workers has been done. Seven hundred and fifty Boston Consulting Group consultants. So this is pretty high end, high end stuff. But in a, in a nutshell, one of the things they found was that with creative tasks, so they basically split things up into a creative task and a much more business reasoning task. In a nutshell, the business reasoning task was less good using the technology, but for the creative side, everyone was much better. Your mm -hmm. average and below was about 40% more productive. Even your top people were like 17% more productive with the, on the creative side. But what they found was that at an individual level, you're more creative, but actually people using the technology tend to be more creative in the same way. Right. So you're creating more stuff, which is good, but it turns out it's all within a certain aesthetic or style or, or whatever. And then what, what's created with the technology is actually different to the control group who weren't using any technology at all. Right. So if we want to get the most creative things, you need people who are, use, who are being creative using the tools, and then you need people who are being creative, not using the tools, and then you move the you move the Venn diagram together, and that's a really interesting thing. But it's because still fundamentally, you know, we're bi we're biological, we're biological machines, and dum yes. dum dum. You know, machines they they look like they think like us, but they don't think like us. 
and and with and we're different. So this 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 need to this need to understand as a human what you can do with these tools is becoming stronger and stronger. And it's also, well, what can I do with these tools if I add Gavin into the equation and I ask, you know, Jemima in and et cetera, et cetera. And that's what people people are gonna gonna use these space use these spaces for very, very deliberative group group focused group focused work. Yeah. And 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 that again becomes really interesting because you've then got a group of people trying to do stuff which if you like is at a higher level than we're used to. What types of space do you put them in? You can't just put them in a you know a big boring grey office with lots of great chairs and, and desks. That's not going to work. You've got to put them in environments that really really enhance and ca- catalyze their their human skills. So it, it it's fa- it's fascinating watching watching all the the ge- the generative stuff because it, it's getting it's getting closer but it's getting there's some things that you think oh well that would be really easy for the machine but it's actually incredibly hard and then there's some things that you think would be really really hard and then incredibly easy and we're sort of feeling our way feeding our way through this but um sorry I'm, I'm going on a bit but there, so there was one one big points that I wanted to make to to everyone who's listening to this um having sort of immersed myself in this for months and months and months now um the biggest winners from generative AI in the short term are you and me are our individuals because this is suddenly a technology where go back a, a year and a bit Joe public could not use AI there's no there's no way I mean, you could have AI use me. You know, Google have been using it for um, filtering search for for years, but we couldn't use it. Now all yeah. we have is a text box, so all of us can do things with that text box. Which once you start playing with these things and you realize how hard you can push that text box, it's really amazing. At a corporate level, for lots of reasons, it's going to be harder integrating this technology into a cor- corporate level. Um, it will it will come, but it's still going to be 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 harder. But at an individual level, so in terms of you know how do I how do I future proof more? Really, really got to dive dive in dive into this stuff because there's a there is potentially such huge individual productivity gains, and as I say, at an individual level, there's going to be a big gap. It it, it you know. Go forward five years and everyone everyone will do it. I don't know for you. Certainly for the next year, there's going to be a good a big gap between people who use this stuff and and don't use it. If I could use use one example, I was at a a small um, conf- conference last week and they had a there was a panel on there, and it was a pretty good panel actually. It was sort of four four smart smart people, and you know normally you listen you listen to panels, but then your mind wanders and you have to bring yourself back. Well, I just recorded it just just on my just on my phone, and then I, when I got home, I put it into a program called Descript, which yes, then gave is. me a transcript, and with the transcript, I put that in Chat GPT and said, "Can you just give me an extended extended uh, breakdown of all the main points in the in this thing?" And then boom, one page, and that's just incredible, incredibly useful, yes. in 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 so many different ways, but. Um, 
Sorry, yeah, you, 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 no, I'm, no, I'm reminding it, you that you wind me up and I just keep going. You're so funny. <laughs> it's great. No, it's great. We're 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 getting a lesson in 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 AI, and uh, I mean that's what I wanted to ask you about your your course that you've started on generative AI for real estate. I mean, I use AI. I, I use ChatGPT. I was sort of immediately immersed into it, and I love using it. Um, but it does have limitations. I mean, if you ask it to to you know write a blog for you it's going to be pretty you know kind of out of the box it's it's fairly standard i find what i love about it is is to format it or to kind of create like headings and then i might populate that myself using my own kind of insights and things like that um in terms of the real estate world how are you i mean talk about your course and the curriculum and and how you're sort of suggesting that real estate people should be looking at this well it, it, it's interesting. The, 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 course, it, the course itself is split into, I think it's about 15, 15 different mod modules. So there's like 15 different present presentations. And then we have three live two-hour sessions. Mostly, I don't go through all the all the content with the group because it would just take too too long. So I do lots of stuff on where where is where's this come from? What is it? Um what what can what can you do with it? What are the ethical considerations? How do you how how do you integrate it into a company? What how do you prepare your company for it? What skills do I need, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so there's a there's a lot of stuff for people to just sit down quietly and go through. What are the implications of this 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 that and the other? And then but they're mainly during during the course. I concentrate on. Um, case studies we have about 12 different case studies at, at, at the moment of people doing really really interesting things and then i actually concentrate on on use cases and then these things in in action so i, I do quite a bit about uh, legal uh, generic use cases so the, the the point the point about a lot of this stuff yes um there's lots of real estate in, and applications, but there's a lot of just generic stuff for processing, for business, stuff we do. And it doesn't matter whether we're in the real estate industry or X other industry, we're still doing all this stuff. So there's lots of generic use cases. And then there's quite a lot of uh, legal use cases, which overlap because we deal with law lawyers a lot in the real estate industry. And also, you know, analyzing contracts and understanding this, this that, and the other. Um, and then... I do a lot on uh, real estate use cases. Now, the interesting thing with the real estate use cases is that there's a great deal you can do out of the box um, at at the moment by just sitting down. Someone gives you a, someone gives you a good guide to how to how to prompt well. And one of the sessions I go through, I think, twelve different different ways of different ways of prompting, prompting which may make a difference. You know, you've got to prompt engineering. You, yeah. Yeah, you've got to, you've you've got you've got to give you know con context, clarity, and constraint. You need you need to use use those. Um, but then a lot of the real estate use cases are are quite nascent at the moment. There's a lot that's coming, and I, I have a presentation which split into fourteen different categories, and it has a big header that says when productized. Now, so there's a lot of things that, as an individual, you and I might be able to just sit and poke and poke and prod our, prod our way through and answer a lot of this stuff. 
but that doesn't really work at a corporate level. Yeah. Someone's got to productize it, wrap it up nicely and stick it, stick it on the corporate corporate de- desktop. So there's a lot of that's going to happen over the over the the, ne- the next few years. Um, but it's just interesting, you know, this this uh, little conference uh, last week, there was someone from Yardi there, you know, oh, yeah, been, been, been around for ages and whatever. And they're start, they're starting to plug uh, language models into into their stuff quite quite a lot. So they've just developed a a really nice little chatbot for resident residential for residential inquiries, external inquiries. You know, I I need an apartment, and then people people internally, and and the stats were amazing. It's something like they they were having forty percent more um, applications outside of office office hours. That, that then progress to leads because this thing can, you, you can just have a chat with it and you can ask yeah. it more information. And so you can do a lot of the qualifying, just the pre-qualifying before you need to put a human in the loop. And most of the time you need to stick a human in the loop somewhere in these systems, but it depends where. And yeah. with a with a lot of these things, once you start breaking real estate operations down, there's quite a lot where we we could we could deal with that 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 add human and then that 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 that. Um, so I th- I think in 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 the short term, what I encourage people to do is it is it, frankly just to use the hell out of these these tools for for a while, just themselves. Just keep playing, push push harder, and then when you've pushed harder, push push a bit harder and and see where you can take things. And at a corporate level. I would say the within a company, you want more people using these tools as than as many people using these tools as you, as you possibly can. Yes, you have to have a bit more control over it than you know little, little old me sitting here. I'm not worried about who who, who sees what. Um, but you want a lot of people using things, and every company should be starting to think all the way through the levels of the company. For the people who understand the nuances of their level of the company, which bits can we chop out? How yeah. can we make their life easier? Because you know, you know what it's like. If you l- listen to the 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 stats about the satisfaction level of people in the office and how many people enjoy their jobs, it's pitiful. Yeah. It's absolutely p- pitiful. I think there was one in an American one last week that said twenty seven percent of people, you know, were were were, were happy in their jobs. And you think this is terrible. This is really yeah. terrible. But a lot of that, apart from the politics side, which is another one of the reasons they don't want to go back in the office because companies with bad politics keep you out, out of that. But a lot of people have to do loads of stuff which is just boring. And we get, and a lot of this stuff can, can can get rid of being boring. Now, there's always you'll 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 always get the smart aleck come up and go, oh yes, that's all very well, but you can you just want us all to be redundant, don't you? You want us all to be un, unemployed, you know. A, it doesn't work like that, and never has has worked like that. But but B, with it at, at just the corporate level and the individual level, the company that leans in and has all its employees lean into this technology is going to have a big edge over the one that doesn't. To be massively more productive, yeah, exactly. And and you know what it's like. We're not we're not talking. Oh, you're just a little bit quicker here. You're massively more productive on a lot of things. Um, that you have done before, but you're also doing lots of things that you'd never have done before. Yeah. Who's ever thought of, you know, who who gets in loads of research reports and summarizes them and just reads the 
the summary. Nobody does, but they do now. Yeah. So so the op- the opportunity to upskill your company, you and then your company, it is is huge. And you know, there was a very there was a very interesting um Eric Brynjolfsson, who is at um at, at Stanford and writes a lot of the good, really good future-looking books on this. He wrote the the third the third machine age with Andrew McAfee a num- number of years ago. But he's written some really intre- interesting things about the the economics of these the systems. And ba- the basic economics 101 is if the price of things goes down, people use more more of them. Yes. And if you can do things quickly, people do other other stuff. And that's just what happens within an within an economy. Somebody gets more productive, which means they earn earn more money. What does that mon- money do? It then starts to starts to circulate. Yeah. So if you if you believe in basic e- economics, unless we're very unlucky, and with the caveat that there's clearly always the danger of that in between time. And and it is a it is a big danger, but you know when society moves really fast, it will adapt. It will adapt, but sometimes it takes a long time. So we really got to pay a lot of attention to that middle thing. But but otherwise, I mean, you know what it's like. You just use these things, and you think this is this is just amazing. I can I can learn so much so quickly, and do so much so so quickly. How how is that not a, how is that not a good thing? Yeah, <laughs> I think most people don't realize. I think they're only scratching the surface. They'll ask some mundane question and it gives you an answer. And it's like, big deal. I can get that from Google. They don't actually press it, like really challenge it. One of the things, though, it's funny. I, I asked it recently to come up with a thumbnail for a YouTube video I was putting out. Oh, right, and yeah. and it, what is really interesting is it, it can write text perfectly. But if you ask it to produce a, like a photograph, with text in it, uh, it'll yeah. almost always be incorrectly spelled, yeah. and it's it's like it can't predict the how it should look in advance or something like that. Yeah, it 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 it, it doesn't it doesn't like that. It's 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 getting better, and there is one application that supposedly is pretty good at it, but no, even even on Midjourney. So because I, I use Mid Midjourney most of the time, now the text is text is all over the place. But again, you see, it's understanding. A lot of it is, is to do with understanding what these these things are. are. And one of the, the, the key points I make on my course is to remind people, this is not a database. You are not doing a lookup in a, in a database. So yeah. if you ask it for all the countries in Africa that begin with F, it's going <laughs> yeah. to get that wrong. If you ask it what the capital of France is, it'll get Paris. Yes, because that is in its training data, probably millions and millions of time. Ask it for the capitalist city of the 160th biggest country in the world, it'd probably get it wrong because it's not in its, in its training data. So yeah. you are not, you are not dealing, you are not dealing with a with a database. You're not dealing with um you're not dealing with necessary, you're not Fact. necessarily dealing with something factual. Yeah. So this is much more, much more stimulating for the people for for things when you're I, I don't know you're sitting four of you in your room and go well what the hell are we going to do with that building 
Yeah, let's 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 just see. Well, where 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 does this take us? You know, if you know the Toyota thing of you know why the five whys, why 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 why, yes. just to do it. It's great on that sort of thing. And the business about the hallucinations, you know, that it does make make things up. First, I would say that these things are actually getting better at not making th- making things up. And the more precise you are, the more constraints you give it, the less chance it's got of um, of making things up. Um, but the flip side of that is why it's so damn creative, because it can make th- it can make it can make things up. So that's why that's why you you need to approach it, and it's also why it's part one of the reasons why it's going to be hard to become corporate software is because it doesn't really behave like software. Mm. You know, software is one plus one equals two plus three equals five. Yeah, you know it, and and you do it once, and you do it again, and it's the same answer. Whereas With the these things, you're not going to get the same same answer all the time. Yeah. So you need to rethink, rethink when am I going to use it, for for what purpose? Because you know, there's lots of this is generative AI. There's an awful lot of predictive AI. So you know, if you want to measure and you know analyze your HVAC systems. You use predictive. You use predictive AI. You don't use generative AI. You might use generative AI to then write the report based on the stats that come out of the whatever. Yes. So it's a, but but I think that's one of the things that's so in, in, intriguing about this. People are thinking new ways of new ways of working and new ways of thinking, and you know that that's what sort of happened back in the you know the the mid nineties. You suddenly had had this thing, and so. Just, just, just think back to you know Uber and Airbnb. That yes. you know we we're, we're so blasé about them now, but there was a time where the idea of just having something in your hand and say "Bring me car" <laughs> and get out the other end without exchanging money or anything, you think I'll do it? The world doesn't work like that, and and this is and this is this is what's going to going to happen. So. It, the, it, the, the, the real power up that I'm looking forward to is generative AI that can take over my email inbox and just spit, like talk to me, tell me like the, you know, the, the priorities and I can just say, oh yeah, send him a reply, uh, tell him yes. Or, you know, and just for it to deal with that, because. Well, that's, I, that allegedly is my co-pilot, isn't it? Yeah, but co-pilots yeah. at the moment you can only you can only get it with companies. Uh, you have to buy three hundred licenses. So at, at the moment, but you know, I don't know. It's going to be a month, two months, few months, and then, and then it will come. Co-pilot allegedly will will do that, which is an, another interesting thing. You see, I'm I'm a very anti. I'm a very Mac person, so I'm a very anti Microsoft yeah, yeah. person from <laughs> from year, years and years ago. Um, but that's such a powerful tool. I might have to go back. You know, I might even have to get out, Outlook. Although it'll turn up in other things, but yes, you, you know, this, this whole thing of there was a um, a lecture given by a chap called Andre Carpathy, Andre Carpathy, who was one of the founding engineers at OpenAI, used to work head of AI at Tesla, and is something of a, a you know a, an original yes. god, although he's actually quite quite young. He did a he did a lecture recently about. Um, how language models work, but also where where they're going, and the and the, the the too long did not read bit about it is he talked about we're going to get to a um, a uh, natural language computing, 
So the whole idea of going into your, I don't know, your asset management system, mm, setting up a, you'd speak to it. Tell me what, tell me what, what you want. I, I want this. I want that. And that's the same thing with your, with your email, isn't it? You want an agent that you can give a mandate to that if this, if this, then, then that, and you, you deal with all that. But I think this business about natural language computing potentially is, is a huge, huge thing. Yeah, for sure. When, when we can just interact with all our databases and, you know, certainly amongst real, real estate, you know, what's, um, what are my leases at risk over over the ne- next year? You know, how many properties do I own? You know, just yeah, like yeah. yeah. I've, I, I tried an exercise recently. I, uh, you know, we have these leases that we would have drawn up with companies and it might have a 67 page, you know, PDF and, I fed it into the computer, uh, into chat GPT. Of course, that's too big. It wouldn't take it. So I had to split it up and things. But yeah. I try. I was trying to get into a situation where I could just say, summarize the, pro- you know, the primary points of the lease. And then I could ask it a question like, when's the expiry date on that? And you know, when, what do I need to watch out for? But it's not quite there yet. It's, um, it's you know, I do look forward to that day when you can just tell it, go into my server and look for the information that I need and, and spit it out and tell me. This is, this is, this is one of the, the, the big areas that I think is going to get product, productized within, within the industry because there are so many instances that are like that within the, within the industry. Yeah. But these models need to be fine-tuned, as they call it, specifically for, for, those, for those purposes. And I believe there's the... There's companies that are, are a long way down this route in the legal in the legal section, particularly in American legal. But someone's going to they've been trying to do lease abstraction for years, haven't they? But, you know, I feel quite sorry for those companies, really, because they were doing really innovative up up to the minute stuff until it's replaced. <laughs> what was, and, and, until something completely different, different came in. But someone and there, and there are there's a there's a company on one of my case studies called Fifth Fifth Dimension. They they do they do the, this sort of stuff and increasingly going to do do this this sort of stuff. Um, but but yeah, it, but it, but it's quite it's quite a big deal. It's quite a big deal to do it. You basically need to fine tune it, and then you need to put a front end, front end on on it. But but someone to do it because it's a big market. It, For sure, yeah. It's a it, it's a big market. Or or you never know. GPT five will come out and it'll just do it in its sleep. But. You know, well, that's the you know. that's the next big thing where they talk about, you know, the, of course, newspapers love a little bit of controversy or whatever. But when after the Sam Altman sort of uh, firing and then rehiring recently, fiasco. yeah, they were, they were fiasco. Yeah, they were talking about this, uh, that a, they were working on an, a generative uh, or a, a, a artificial general intelligence and that it frightened the socks out of a number of scientists in there because it was so advanced and stuff like that. And I, I kind of think to myself that there's a certain amount of like, oh, come on, the newspapers, they love a bit of blood or a bit of gossip or whatever it is. Uh, I, I, I put most of that down into a um, Saturday evening pub talk. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, exactly. there, there's a monster on the moor, you know. Have you yeah. Seen it? Uh, I, you know, we're, you, I, 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 Personally, I think it's extremely unlikely, and there's much better things to be worried about with with AI. You know, there is lo- lots of regu- regulation is in, is needed, and we need to really get a move on in putting some 
guardrails in in certain places and what do we allow and what 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 don't we allow but wor worrying too much about imminent extinction you know you can't even get the bloody expiry date on your lease no <laughs> and, 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 and and as someone someone said you know you can teach a you can teach a 17 year old to drive a car in about 40 hours yeah. you couldn't you can't drive a machine take an awful long just can't can't do it there's there's so many things so many things that no, and should I, they put like if you look at the militaries around the world they'll put a 17 year old into a 50 million dollar jet and like you, you you almost can't compete with those you know that age group in, in terms of their reaction time and their ability to to kind of use a jet yeah uh, you know it's um it's fascinating i'm i'm conscious of time uh, anthony i just i thought given you know you were you mentioned that you know, one or two years from now, you can see something, but five <laughs> years is not so easy. Give us some of your predictions, uh, you know, the kind of what you do think is is likely on the cards in the next five years, we'll say. I I, I think mostly it's more, more, more of the same. There's still, there's going to be a move, more space is going to become less but better. More space is going to become proto hospitality led but it'll probably be there'll be more tweaking that you know you you're still you're still at work you're not on holiday so it's a different type of type of hospitality i think we're going to get better at that we're going to get a lot better at creating flexible spaces we're going to get much much better at building um super efficient spaces you know the the business about a smart building of a, a building that genuinely knows what Gavin needs now, temperature, and, yeah, and and can provide it for him. You know, so buildings are definitely going to get a, a lot smarter. They're going to get more sustainable. There's going to be more more flexibility. We're going to pay more attention to productivity in the wider sense. I think the real estate industry is going to try and get closer to customers, so that that you know we can really help them tune their spaces. Because we understand spaces, they don't understand spaces, but we need to understand how they work. How does this company work? We need yeah. to get close closer to our to our customers and make make these things much more much more of a, a of a part partnership. So there's going to be a, a a huge amount amount of that. I think there's going to be a whole load of new business models arriving in the next couple of years. I'm sorry to say. Because a lot of buildings are going to go, are going to drop in price to a point where, well, we can start again now, yeah, and we'll be yeah. doing different things, and we're going to have a lot more mixed use. I think, you know, I, I do think mixed use in in all different types of uses, you know, living over the shop kind of. Yeah, you know, and that, and how can we use a building more like twenty four three six three six five rather than you know, yeah, fixed by two fifty or whatever, whatever it is. I think we're going to do make a make a lot more of that. Um, I think the best the best cities are going to double really double down on what makes them great, and it's going to, as I say, central social district. It's, it's fun, but it it makes a lot of sense in in yeah. in a lot of lot of places. Um, there probably will be a disbursement of working spaces closer to where closer to where 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 people work. Um, I think there's going to be a big differentiation between, as I say, those companies without baggage 
or baggage that can be repurposed re repurposed nicely and and leaning into all these technologies are going to become frighteningly competitive and they're going to be able to do things that a lot of other so i do think there's going to be you know there's going to be a big a big difference between those who really lean into this and and lean out and and overall i would say within the industry one has to concentrate really hard on understanding who do I want my customer to be? And that's going to be different, you know, different people have different types of customers they want. And then what on earth do they want? And I really, really understand what my customer wants and I'm going to give them, give them that. Um, so I think we're, we're, we're going to, we're going to become much more human. We're going to become a much more human centric industry and hopefully we become, you know, a, be a better builder, new, new, new materials and, and all this sort of stuff. On, on the other hand, some, sometimes you, you, you read the, the more investment minded side of the industry and you think, well, actually, no, because maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe not. But, you know, I, 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 I would, I would see, essentially, I see massive, massive potential opportunities given all the technologies that are, are building up at the moment and the sort of people that are are leading it so it's a different it's a it's there's a different type of person i i think and you know put put them together but it, you know it, it's a it's a bugger of an industry isn't it you know when it when it's great <laughs> when it's great it's great and when it's bad it's bloody horrible <laughs> Very true. And tell us, Anthony, uh, the last question is 2030, you mentioned this wall, this cliff. Do you think that people are going to adjust in six years or do you think the politicians will kick the can down the road? Oh, God. Um, a little bit like what Rishi did recently on this housing. I, I really, I really hope they don't. I suspect in some areas they're going to have to because... You know, bringing yeah, somewhere up to scratch in the centre of Dublin is different to somewhere in the wilds, and bring somewhere up to the centre of scratch in London is not bring somewhere up to scratch in some somewhere else. You know, the numbers just simply simply won't work. But but for, for I, I'm tem I'm tempted to say the 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 life experience person will say they'll kick it down the road. It's bound to happen. Lobbyists are getting there, kick it down the road. But the optimists will say, well, that's all very well, but no one's going to want their building. Yeah. So you can kick it down the road, but I don't think anyone's going to want, you know, you get to 2030 and you're trying to pretend that you have a building for a top end customer. No, I don't, I don't think you've got a chance today, let alone 2030. Yeah, so you no, can, you can yeah. kick it down the road. I mean, so, you know, you kick it down the road and, and, you know, hope it all. But the customer, the customer doesn't want want that. Um, and the regulators will hit, you know, they might kick it down the road, but they use it as an excuse to hit you with a big, big bill. So I don't know. It's, it's sort of experience tells you that, you know, People get around these things, but on the on the yeah. but if but if they do, but if they do, we're really buggered, aren't we? You know, if we get if yeah. we get to if we get because if we don't if we don't get to twenty thirty, we're not going to get to twenty fifty. Yeah, and yeah. and then 
I don't. I don't know. I, I'm. I'm I'm no, watching. No, I'm no. watching like forest fires and flooding and all of this, like the, this increasingly frightening sort of weather extreme events. And the the more and more that it's happening, the more obvious it is that this is what's happening. You know. Well, that 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 is. I mean, I haven't talked about that a lot. That's this is my sort of other hobby horse. The sort of geopolitics of all of this. Yeah. Gets quite. Ter- I mean, look at look at Europe. During last summer, Spain, 40 degrees, Italy, 40 degrees, Greece, 40 degrees. And you think, well, I'll go on holiday in Spain, Italy or Greece. And then you go, well, no actually, thanks. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. Yeah, yeah. Not, not and and you, you know, you say, you suddenly get to that, that sort of situation. And there's lots of dynamics of, dynamics to changing. So, you know. We've, we've got to work it out one way or another. <laughs> yeah, well, you and I won't solve it tonight, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Anthony, it's a, it's a great pleasure. If if the, Is there anywhere you would like listeners to be pointed to? Is it your course or your website or anything like that? If you, if you, if people would like to, to, to know more about my course, about me and my, my blog, anthonyslumbers.com without, without an H. Or or follow me on LinkedIn. Most stuff goes most stuff goes on on LinkedIn. Used to be big on Twitter, but uh, a certain person ruined Twitter, so yeah. not there anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, like myself. All right, Anthony, it's been a real pleasure as always, and uh, look forward to watching and listening and reading m- more from you. Thank you. It's a pleasure, Kevin. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Anthony. It's, uh, uh, as always, food for thought, all of these things. Definitely, I think artificial intelligence is going to radically change the world that we live in over the next couple of years. Somebody has described it as the uh, basically like the invention, the invention of electricity and the difference in the world before electricity compared to after electricity. And that's how they're comparing artificial intelligence. So time will tell, but certainly I would be in that pack of people that believes that. And I'm so I'm kind of paying attention to this myself, although it is not clear how to use it yet in real estate. I mean, we'll, as they say, time will tell. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this one. I shall see you again next week and hopefully I'll get on top of things and I won't be recording at 5 a.m. If you're watching the YouTube video, apologies for the view. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Behind the Facade. If you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please connect with me via the Facebook group that is called Behind the Facade Community. Alternatively, you will find me on social media. My handle is Gavin J. Gallagher. You can stay up to date with all of my content and the various projects I'm working on over on my website, GavinJGallagher.com. And while you're there, please do add your name to the Join My Tribe thing over on the right-hand side. This will ensure you're kept up to date via my weekly newsletter. All of these links are in the show notes below. That's all for now. I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.